0: Welcome to the official Ronnie Landis podcast show, where you learn to upgrade the human experience through natural nutrition, lifestyle design, and consciousness engineering. This is no ordinary health or personal growth podcast, and Ronnie Landis is definitely no ordinary host. Get ready to receive your upgrade in all you believed was possible, starting now.
1: We're here with the Ronnie Landis podcast. Today is a question and answer day, and we're going to ask some of the top questions that people have submitted for Ronnie Landis. Ronnie Landis is the creator of Holistic Health Mastery and Ronnie-Landis.com. He's a holistic health nutritionist and a peak performance specialist. I'm Christina Rendon and I am a holistic health lifestyle coach and energy healer and I'm gonna be asking Ronnie the questions today.
0: Awesome. I'm ready to jump in and I'm real I'm really, really excited to be having this conversation with you, Christina. I really love your energy and I love everything that you bring to the forefront and really the energy that comes about whenever we have these great conversations and to field all these questions from all these people that are really curious to dive into some of the nuances and some of the just specific questions they have around health, nutrition, lifestyle, optimization, creating their dreams. I'm really looking forward to seeing what everybody has in store for this conversation.
1: Thank you, Ronnie. I have also really enjoyed having the conversation of talking to you about health and interviewing and supporting you at different events. And it's an exciting opportunity for people to submit their questions and get, get them answered by you like this. Um, So I'm excited that you're adding this new section of your podcast Uh, So, if you have any questions, you can submit them online. And these are some of the questions that some of Ronnie's students or people that follow his online community have been submitting. So, one of the first things that I noticed some people were asking uh, were about oils. So, somebody submitted tyne submitted do we need plant oils in our diet or not and i know that in the plant plant um, nutrition lifestyle and vegan vegetarian oils are really big topic and even in paleo and ketogenic like oils are a very big topic and i want to know what do you think about oils and so this is specifically asking about the the processed oil
0: Okay, great. That's a that's a really great question. And yeah, it's a, it's a really big topic in all the different circles of nutrition. And you have the different perspectives from the vegan plant-based perspective, you have the paleo-based perspective, and everybody seems to have their own their own kind of idea of what's appropriate, what's not. I personally would say that oils are very important in the human diet. If we're going to take away all the different kind of ideologies around what kind of diet we should be on and, and all that, and we just look at what the human body requires in the human frame, one of the things oils do for us is they create lubrication. And our joints, our ligaments, our muscle tissue, our our fascia, our connective tissue, and our our skeletal structure, to say the least, requires lubrication. Um, And we just need to understand what the right kind of oils are. And just to make this really obvious, the oils that we do not want in our body are overly processed and synthetic artificial oils, like partially hydrogenated oils, for example, or highly rancidified oils that oxidize very quickly or are already oxidized when they come to you, like soybean oil, safflower oil. Most olive oils also, to a lot of people's surprise, are already pre-oxidized and they're actually cut. With things like canola oil. Canola oil, otherwise known as rapeseed oil, is another one that is is, uh, split with genetically modified ingredients. So that's something we definitely do not want in our body. And so those are the more obvious and the more overt processed oils that we don't want. This conversation can definitely go a lot deeper. Um, I feel like, you know, if we're going to drill into it, one of the things I would bring up is there's different kinds of oils that everybody needs to know about. There's monounsaturated oils, there's polyunsaturated oils, and there's the saturated fats and oils. And so saturated fats are basically... Um, fats that have been saturated in hydrogen. And that hydrogen bond, the bonding of hydrogen molecules, is what keeps those oils from oxidation. It keeps it keeps the volatility of oils, the heat volatility, very high. So, for example, things like ghee butter, coconut oil, um, even grass-fed butters, they have a very high heat point meaning that they resist the oxidation that comes on from high heat, even sunlight... Um, oxygen, things of that nature. When you're cooking, these are the only oils that you would cook with because they resist oxidation. They don't go rancid as quickly as something like an avocado oil or even an olive oil, which is a monounsaturated fat. Those are great fats to ingest, especially olive oil, like really, really good quality, cold-pressed, extra virgin Olive oil that, in my opinion, the best ones come from Greece and come from Iceland. And ice-pressed olive oil, um, like Rowless olive oil, for example, that's encased in a very dark to even completely black jar that is not susceptible to photons or light penetration. And that light, that, that you know, like LED light, artificial lighting um, on the store shelves and also natural lighting from the sun can penetrate through these clear glass jars and even these amber glass jars when it's sitting on, it's sitting on a shelf for a long time and then that will break down the oils as well. So you wanna be aware of what kind of packaging, what kind of, uh, what kind of, um, what's the word, Uh, what kind of protective encasing those oils are in in the first place. And those can be really good to use as like a salad dressing. They can be used in like a liver flush, for example, very famous liver flushing um, modalities using olive oil specifically. Um, and other things like that, creating you know salad dressings and that kind of thing. Those are really, really great. And then there's polyunsaturated fats, which are like the omega3 fatty acids. And those are really great oils. But the only thing that people need to really understand about those oils are that they are very susceptible to oxidation. They're the most susceptible to going rancid very quickly. So those have to be packaged in a dark glass jar or even a, a maroon glass jar, which is the most protective type of glass on the planet. Maroon. Really amazing. Um, Really amazing glass, like uh, apothecary-quality glasses, something that everyone can look into. And there's more and more products now that are being packaged in Marone, which I think is amazing. So just to answer the question again, do we need oils in the diet? My personal opinion is that oils can be extremely helpful, but you need to get the right quality um, if you get the wrong quality, even natural oils that have gone rancid, then they can create runaway end products in the body called lipooxidative end products, which are basically like the 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 rancid end products of lipids or fats, otherwise known as oils in this case, that create carcinogenic, um, or I should say, create inflammatory markers like caramelization along, the, the, um, along the, the cell wall, along the tissues of the body, and essentially just create, uh, create inflammation in the body over time and cause the body to essentially rust and break down, um, and as well as the cardiovascular system. So that's something that I would point out. But beyond that, I do think they're very important, and it just depends on what somebody's function and purpose is and what kind of oils that they want to use in their diet.
1: Thank you, Ronnie. So yeah, definitely quality in the oil. So sticking to cold-pressed and organic and good quality packaging, Uh, those are three main things to pay attention to with oils. And you mentioned a few oils that I wanted to touch on really quickly. Uh, You mentioned the saturated fats are the best to cook in. So those are the best to heat. Correct.
0: Absolutely. The coconut
1: oils. Mm-hmm. Um, are there any others that go in that category?
0: Yeah. So I would I would say if somebody's interested in upgrading their cooking oils, you would go to non-refined, organic, cold-pressed coconut oil, and then you can also use. Uh, I I prefer ghee butter. It's a purified form of grass-fed butter that comes out of the Ayurvedic traditions. And basically what that is, is it's, it's clarified or purified, meaning that they have, they have cooked off and released the allergenic fractions of cow's butter, which is the casein protein and the lactose, um, fat molecule that gives people the biggest problems when they're consuming dairy. Even raw cow's dairy can be very problematic for people because of especially the casein protein in particular, which is also correlated across the board with conditions like diabetes. So I just want to point that out. I'm not really a huge fan of uh, grass-fed butters or cow's butter anymore, although I think goat's butter can be really helpful and that would fit into this picture. But my personal preference is ghee butter in that case.
1: Okay, wonderful. And then also you mentioned the canola oil or rapeseed oil. And I feel like that's a topic that not everybody has been exposed to yet. And I feel like that information needs to get out a little bit more about the damage that that kind of oil can do on the body because of the GMOs. I've heard that it can actually create neuro, neuro damage like mm. in our veins as well. And so I, I'd love for you to talk a little bit more on that and how common that oil is, even in, in just pretty much most processed foods um, yeah. tend to have that.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, that's a really, really good point is that people don't realize that when these oils become rancid, in your body, not only do they affect the cell wall, which is the governing agent of your mitochondria, which creates your energy, your cellular energy, not only does it affect the cardiovascular system, but it also affects the neurological system and can create a rusting along the nerves of your nervous system and can also... um, I, I don't know if there's specific research to back this, this statement up, but I would definitely, I would definitely assume that this is totally correct, is that these rancid oils and these genetically modified in um, genetically modified oils like canola oil, definitely affect the myelin sheath of the nervous system, which is going to result in the the motor dysfunction. So, So when someone has like Parkinson's disease, or they have multiple sclerosis, essentially what's going on there is somebody's losing their faculties of motor function, meaning that they can't their their body mechanics are starting to break down and they can't move as fluidly as they were, as they could before. There's a lag time in the nerve response, in their nervous system, in their, their neurological system, their brain. And so the chemical messages of information are not able to go through the neuromuscular system um, that is basically being channeled through your nervous system, the information highway of your body is is essentially electrical conductivity, and so, anyways, those oils have an effect on breaking down the nervous system for sure. We definitely know that, and that's one of the areas that I would I would definitely look at. And one of the best ways to get all the gunk out of the body these gunky, um, gobbity oils, these rancid garbage oils is actually to displace them with the right kinds of oils. And so that would be things like coconut oil is really, really helpful for that. Um, Doing, you know, getting some things in like even nut butters, I feel like organic stone ground nut butters can be very helpful for that too. Um, And, you know, many other things that we might even get to as we go through this call.
1: Okay, wonderful. So... The next question about oils from Chris is asking about the difference between a plant-based omega-3 fatty acid and a fish or animal source of Mm. omega-3s. I personally know somebody who started taking fish oil um, as they were recommended to take it for their skin and their health and they actually got breakouts and this person was normally used to having clear skin. And so I'd like for you to talk about the difference between the, the two, a fish-based fatty acid and a, a plant-based, and also maybe talk to the quality or maybe some kind of allergic reaction that could happen for some people. Um,
0: yeah, yeah, this is, this is great. Um, there's a lot to be said about this. One of the things I'd recommend people is to get a book by Dr. Udos Erasmus Fats That Heal Fats That Kill. And this was the first book that I read maybe 6 maybe 6 or 7 years ago that really painted the picture for me to understand what what you know what the whole thing around fats and oils really was. It's basically the tome on fats really to understand Things like, what are fish oils? Where do fish oil come from? You know, that's a great question right there, because people don't realize that that fish don't naturally produce omega-3 fatty acids of their own volition. They actually concentrate the omega-3 fatty acids from, from krill, and they get it from phytoplankton, and then it concentrates in that fish's liver. And then that's where we get fish oil from. So that's something that I would just point out is that fish oil is not the best source of omega-3s. But another thing about that is that it happens to be a highly concentrated source of omega-3. So if somebody is going to do fish oil, they have to be aware that oceanic nutrition is very, it's, it's like walking a tight, a tight rope at the moment. Now, I definitely agree with the, the oceanographer and, and marine biologist, Jack Cousteau, when he said that the future of nutrition is in the ocean. I think that that's actually the best source of nutrition. That's where the most mineral content is. That's where the best omega-3s do come from. Um, but we also have to understand that our oceans are extraordinarily polluted. And the main things that people have to be considered about when you're pulling from the ocean is radiation toxicity from Fukushima primarily, mercury toxicity, and then plastic toxicity. Those three things in particular are flooding the oceans all over the world, especially the Pacific West, And so I would never recommend anybody get fish out of the Pacific by any means, anything really coming out of the ocean, Um, but that may be another subject. So if somebody is going to do fish oil, one thing they need to do is pharmaceutical grade fish oil to see if it agrees with them, because pharmaceutical grade fish oil is going to be refined, um, the toxic byproducts, uh, you know, from the things that I just mentioned, are going to be refined in a laboratory to make sure that those, those elements are not present in the fish oil. And then it's also going to be tested for potency to make sure that it is concentrated enough that it works. Now, my personal feeling on fish oil is that um, it's becoming something where we're not going to have that option for too much longer. We're fishing out the oceans and in my personal belief system, there's too much karma that's gone along with the fishing industry as it is, and the fish oil industry and the fish oil scams that are going on. Most fish oils out there are totally rancid. They've they've been cooking and oxidizing underneath LED lighting in the shopping market, not to mention how long that they've been sitting in those little those glass jars. Um And whatever else is going on in that industry, I just don't trust it and I don't recommend it. What I recommend, though, is that people upgrade to the original source of omega-3 polyunsaturated fatty acids, which is marine phytoplankton. And there's a great product called Oceans Alive, which I've been using for years. And that is the most amazing, that may be the most concentrated nutritional source of any type of food on the planet marine phytoplankton it can be in upwards of 4 to 10% EPA which is one of the main omega-3 fatty acids that that is behind the health of your eyes and your your um and uh, the optic nerves that connect into the neurological system that really that have a lot to do with um, eye health, that have a lot to do with motor function, brain health, and that kind of thing. And that's also the precursor for DHA, which is docohexanoic acid, which is about 40% of your physical brain tissue, by the way. So that is extremely important. And then if somebody is going to get animal-sourced omega-3 fatty acids, I would actually recommend that they get krill oil and astaxanthin-infused krill oil because the astaxanthin is a deep red pigment that that shields the krill oil from oxidation. And it helps to deliver it into the body more efficiently um, through the digestive tract and through the, the digestive process to resist oxidation and to make sure that it gets into the system effectively and astaxanthin is an incredible antioxidant in of its own Um, there's a lot more that can be said about that the last thing i would say about this question is that what is really the difference between animal sourced uh omega-3s and plant-based omega-3s now, where where do you get plant-based omega-3s in the first place? Well, you can get it from a lot of different sources. There's chia seed in chia seed oil. There's hemp seeds in hemp seed oil. There is flaxseed oil, although I'm not a huge fan of flaxseed oil because of the, the potential phytoestrogenic influences that it can have on many people. I think ground flaxseeds can be really amazing, so I definitely recommend those. And then there's other things like purslane and barrage oil and primrose oil that are also very high in plant-based omega-3s. And those are really great options as well that I definitely recommend. But those are all ALA, alpha-linolenic acid-based omega-3s. And you need all three, by the way. You need ALA, you need EPA, and you need dha and they all complement one another and create this perfect, like, golden meme ratio that you need to have. And the ALA is, is designed to convert into EPA. Now, the controversy is that can you get the conversion point between ALA into EPA with just plant-based oils? And it appears to me that some people can do it better than others, some people can do it better than others. So I can't say that everybody needs to omit animal-based omega-3s. That, that would not be appropriate advice, I feel, at this point. You have to feel it out with yourself, and you have to kind of experiment. One thing I will say about this, though, is that there is a specific enzyme that's been discovered that converts ALA into EPA, and that enzyme is called D6D, Otherwise known as delta 6 desaturase. And that enzyme is activated when somebody has enough magnesium in their body. This is a really important point is that if you don't have, if you have a magnesium deficiency, which most of the world is under a critical, like epidemic level of magnesium deficiency, then you can't, you can't activate that D6D enzyme and therefore your ability to convert ALA into EPA is going to be dramatically reduced. So that's a perspective that I think is really interesting is that if you have enough magnesium in your body, you have enough vitamin C in your body, you have enough zinc in your body, and all the other cofactors that you might need, then your ability to produce these um, high potency omega-3 fatty acids like EPA and DHA on a vegan or vegetarian diet is going to be dramatically improved. And that's actually been my experience. I feel like I've actually been able to pull that off. For the most part, I do do the krill oil every blue moon, every once in a while, um, if it feels like the right thing to do. You know, animal products are like a supplement they're like a superfood and you do it with respect and you don't do it with um, gluttony is a big thing that i'm i'm really i'm really coming to terms with as a vegetarian is that we want to do these things with respect and with reverence and also knowing that they can be very beneficial in the right in the right application so hopefully that answers that question
1: Yes, definitely does. The difference between the the omegas and how it's personal to each person, and just making sure again that everything, every oil that they're sourcing is of good quality. Uh, I love how you commented on how you need the magnesium to absorb the omega, and I and the vitamin C and the zinc. I. Love that about holistic health and your perspective that everything is relying on one another. And the interesting thing to note is also that you need enough omegas to produce vitamin D. Right. And Mm. I love learning how everything is so interconnected in the body.
0: That's another one, by the way, for everyone listening. Vitamin D is absolutely critical. Vitamin D3 turns on more healing genes, genetics than any other nutrient that's ever been discovered. And vitamin D is basically, according to Dr. Mercola, he's come out and said a number of years ago that 95% of all cancers could be completely prevented with the adequate vitamin D3 levels. So that tells you something about vitamin D. And vitamin D is a hormone, and it's the master hormone. It's the main one that makes everything else work. So I just wanted to add that too.
1: Thank you. Yeah. So for the omegas, your top two are, are the marine source
0: for yeah, the, the, the plant-based. Yeah. The marine phytoplankton. And then um, if you the wanted krill to... Oil. And then the krill oil. If you're going to source from the animal world, which is not such a bad idea, by the way. Um, sometimes people have to pull themselves out of a deficit because we've been on a nutritional holocaust our entire life. So people are on like on a hyper depleted state and they may not be able to do a full vegan lifestyle. They may have to pull themselves out of a ditch and do things that um, are a little more concentrated and a little more potent in the beginning. Um, And that's where I think like things like even grass-fed meats come into, come into the picture. I'm a vegetarian. I'm not into that stuff. And, I, and my body definitely does not need it. In fact, it doesn't even want to think about it. Um, but for some people, it's different. And I respect that. So you got to know where you're at. You got to feel into it. You got to ask your body the right questions. And you got to treat your life like a laboratory and test it out. And that's the only way to know exactly what's going to work for you in the short and long term.
1: Okay, wonderful. So the next question is by Hannah, and she wants to know: Is cold-processed organic whey protein powder healthy for your digestive system?
0: Yeah, great question. Uh, this is this is an interesting one because. I actually have experience years ago using cold processed, um, raw whey, or I should say, I shouldn't call it raw, but cold processed semi, like lightly pasteurized whey protein just to try it out, just to play with it. I just wanted to see. I heard all these things about it years ago. So I decided to experiment with it and I thought that it was, it was a okay product. I didn't have any, any like, you know, amazing, uh, transformative experiences in the sense that it totally changed everything. But one thing I can say is that by studying whey protein and studying my, my, my interest in things like glutathione, um, getting all the right kinds of amino acids that you need in your diet for vigorous health, neurological health, digestive health, things of that nature, whey protein has a lot of, um, potentially beneficial things to be said about it one of them is that it's very high in an amino acid called glutamine and glutamine is the is like the number one recommended nutrient for leaky gut so when somebody has a leaky gut or otherwise known as intestinal permeability problem where the the intestinal wall is basically um, it's breached. So you have little junctions in your intestinal lining that that micronized proteins and other nutrients will naturally seep into because you have microvilli, which are little protrusions in the lining of your intestinal tract that pull in nutrients once they've been metabolized. And what happens with leaky gut is that there's a wedging in those tiny junctions and it, it it, it 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 um what's the word I'm looking for? It creates a widened gap, and so whole proteins, for example, that haven't been properly metabolized, end up seeping through those gaps into the bloodstream, and that's pretty much what's been um, what's been estimated to be the main cause of autoimmune conditions, is leaky gut syndrome or intestinal permeability. So glutamine is the number one thing recommended to tighten those junctions back together. There's many, many other things as regarded to that specific condition, but, but we'll omit that for now because the question is about whey protein. So that's one potentially beneficial thing about whey protein. Um, and then the other thing is that it is a really good source of glutathione. Glutathione is your body's master antioxidant along with superoxide dismutase. But glutathione in particular is really interesting because the more I've gotten into the research, the more blown away I am about it. And really what it is, is it's an antioxidant that your body naturally produces via the liver. And that's essentially what keeps us alive in a lot of cases when somebody is over- Overly toxic. They're just burdened with a lifetime of toxicity. Glutathione, um, naturally produced, naturally generated, endogenously in the body, appears to me to be one of the things that's actually keeping people alive. It's sponging up all the residual toxicity in the liver and and trying to um, escort it out of the body. But what ends up happening over time is that the body just gets exhausted and you deplete your glutathione storages. And then that's one of the things, that's one of the areas when your glutathione starts to tank out, that's when the toxicity starts to overload the body, like the liver, for example. And then that's when symptoms start to um, proliferate. They become more pronounced so that's another angle on the whey protein. Now, do you need whey protein? My opinion is absolutely not. If you want to be a vegetarian or a vegan and you're just really not into it, then there's plenty of things that you can dance around. It's not a requirement, but I wanted to give uh, just a little explanation on what the the potential benefits of a cold processed whey protein would be in, in that that circumstance i guess digestively speaking
1: thank you can you talk a little bit about a plant source that could provide the glutathione processing or the glutamine Mm
0: -hmm. yeah there's a number of them um just like basic foods avocados are a great source of glutathione precursors So there's definitely a connection between avocados and liver health. Um, Not to mention the fact that avocados make a really great meat and cheese replacement and rancid fat replacement and even like starchy carbohydrate uh, replacement, um, which can be very taxing on the liver. So from that perspective, it's really helpful. And then also the glutathione precursors. There's a great supplement called NAC or N-acetylcysteine, which is one of my top supplements that I personally have used for for a long time. And I also recommend for clients. And it's it's probably the most powerful precursor for glutathione um, out there. And glutathione requires what's called the methylation cycle. Um, it's it's a long kind of complicated cycle which basically your liver uses to detoxify um, xenoestrogens and heavy metals and things of this nature um, as well as its its useful effects on the neurological system so methylation is definitely something to look into but nac is the supplement, and it's very inexpensive. It's, a, it's an incredible supplement for producing glutathione, which can be very helpful for detoxifying heavy metals like mercury, cadmium, lead, um, tin, and all these other kind of things that get into the body and, and cause short-circuiting of the nervous system and, 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 and digestive issues as well.
1: Wow a lot of potent information so the actually the next question ties into this Joyce is wanting to know how to get some workout meals in that are high protein using fruits and vegetables and vegetable source protein powders Mm -hmm. and I could definitely speak a little bit to this Um, I find that some of the best sources of protein for me are sprouts um, some, some of the darker greens, um, like broccoli and cruciferous vegetables, have a higher source of protein. And also, I like to have probiotics and enzymes with different high-protein foods that I'm having. Like, if I have a protein powder, I like to have ones that have probiotics or enzymes in it. Or making like a nut-based yogurt or cheese or something, I feel like that makes it easier to digest and more bioavailable. And so I'd love to hear some of your top recommendations for protein sources for somebody who wants to stick to more of a plant-based lifestyle.
0: Mm. Well, I think that's a great perspective. And this is an interesting interesting topic because I've definitely come to a place in my own evolution in my metabolism where... I require far less calories than I ever did and I also require far less consideration for protein, even fat for that matter. And it's an adaptation that's occurred over the process of about 7 years and doing a lot of fasting, a lot of intermittent fasting, you you know really teaching my body how to become a free energy generating device where you know, having to eat like two or three or four thousand calories is just like a ridiculous idea at this point. It's just like entertainment to do that kind of thing. But it's not necessary. Now, you obviously don't start there. Now what ended up happening to me, because I am an athlete and I have been an athlete my whole life, um what I ended up doing in the beginning when I first went into vegetarianism and then veganism. In raw food, for that matter, is I started doubling up my plant-based protein sources in the beginning because my body um, needed to, to acclimate to plant-based protein because your body has to go through this re-education. Your metabolism has to become re-educated on how to properly assimilate um, more concentrated sources of nutrition. So protein, in this case... My, the original things that I got onto were sprouted brown rice powders like um, the company Sun Warrior sells and I really got into that for a long time and then eventually I kind of grew out of doing that and I went into sources like hemp protein which is my personal favorite. I do a lot of chia seeds, sprouted chia seeds in my smoothies. I do a lot of spirulina, chlorella, even things like marine phytoplankton, which we brought up before about omega-3 fatty acids, it's also a complete protein source. And just so everyone's listening, what is what is protein? What the heck is protein, anyways? Because we have so much protein malarkey in the world where people are just like uber obsessed with protein and they don't even really know what it's all about. They just know that, you know, you get it from meat or you get it from animal products and and it's, you know, you can't get it from, from vegetables or fruits or nuts or seeds or sprouts or or any of this other stuff, right? So, pl- protein is essentially just amino acids that are all strung together like beads on a string. And in order to be protein efficient, you need to have all the 22 or 23, whatever amount of amino acids that are, that are available to you in your, in your diet. And nine of those amino acids are what we call essential amino acids, meaning that the body, as far as we know, I bet you anything this is going to be turned around when we figure out that the body actually does produce almost every nutrient that it needs if you, if you have the right strategy long-term. And this is where intermittent fasting really comes into play, but but, um, until we get to that point, there's nine essential amino acids that we have to get from food, and some of those amino acids are very heat volatile, like tryptophan, for example, is very heat volatile, meaning that when you introduce it to heat, it starts to degrade very quickly, and tryptophan is a precursor for 5 htp 5 tryptophan, which is a very common supplement used for um, mood elevation, for the big D word, depression, um, for balancing your serotonin chemistry uh, and your melatonin chemistry, which are like part of your feel-good chemistry, but also have dramatic effects on your nervous system and uh, many other things of that nature. We'll digress from there, but I thought I'd point that out because when you cook a piece of steak, I just like feel like I need to harp on this for a moment. When you cook a piece of steak or you cook a piece of fish or you cook a piece of meat or chicken, um, people associate that as being a high-protein food. Now, the Max Planck Institute in the 1950s did a, a bit of research to find out if you cooked a piece of steak, How much of the amino acids or the protein would be bioavailable and usable by the human body after you've cooked it? And they found out that immediately upon cooking the steak, 50% of the amino acids were immediately rendered unavailable or undigestible to the human body. I think that's a really, really important piece of information that everybody needs to understand and get clear on. So back to the, the plant-based protein picture. You're going to want to double up on your plant-based prou- powder. My, my personal favorite is hemp protein, cold-processed, organic, raw hemp protein powder. And you can even mix this with hemp seeds. Say, for example, you did a big workout and now you're gonna do a superfood smoothie. You're gonna do like six ounces of wild frozen blueberries. You're gonna do coconut water. You might add in coconut meat. You might add in a tablespoon or two of stone ground almond butter, or, or tahini butter, a cashew butter, or walnut butter, or Brazil nut butter, whatever your, your deal is. And then you also add in one or two tablespoons of soaked chia seeds into your smoothie and then you know you might even have maca powder like gelatinized maca powder for example and um even like spirulina i mean the list goes on it's endless right there's more plant-based protein foods than there's animal foods in the first place so that that ought to tell you something um so that's kind of a little strategy that you can use through your workouts and as you start to acclimate towards a, a high liquid type of diet, as you get the probiotics in, as you 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 get the the enzymes like you you mess you um, mentioned earlier, Christina, and then your body becomes hyper intelligent. Your digestive system becomes hyper intelligent, and now you're able to process and assimilate and metabolize. The protein that you are getting to the point where you don't need as much over time. And again, your body becomes um, like a free energy device. That's ultimately where we're going with this whole conversation around protein is where our body actually manufactures a lot of what we already need of its own volition. And then the food that we're putting into the body You know, like the superfood smoothie, like the spirulina, like the chlorella, the marine phytoplankton. The blue-green algae is another great one to put on your list. Like the maca, all these great, amazing, legendary superfoods. Your body starts to assimilate it in a way where you don't need as much over time. And that's something you only really come to realize after you've done this for a number of years like I have, and like you have, and many of our friends and contemporaries in this field have over time, you realize that you just don't need as much. But in the beginning phase, you double up on your your protein sources, and then you know you let your body kind of um, lead you towards what it what it needs.
1: Thank you, Ronnie. Yeah, so definitely finding the sources that are complete proteins and as you mentioned the the spirulina and everything I know those are really high sources of iron and different nuts and seeds can be really high sources of zinc which is also really important um, and not so much putting an emphasis on getting a lot of protein but getting bioavailable, amino acids so that your body can repair and build
0: yeah another thing let me just add you just said that let me just add that free form amino acid therapy is really powerful too so not just doing like protein rich food but actually taking um free form amino acids is really really powerful too and you find out some really interesting things about how your body works um, especially in terms of fasting, interma- intermittent fasting, um, which can be really amazing with the free form amino acids. So that's something to also kind of Google and look into.
1: Okay, wonderful. So the next question is about hair loss from Jacqueline and she's wanting to know the causes and remedies and nutrients involved and just to talk about hair loss and the cause and how to resolve this. I know a lot of women and men um, deal with hair loss. And one of the greatest beliefs is that you can't really reverse it. And I know that there's a lot of ties to hormones, thyroid, um, and protein, now that we're on the topic of protein. So I'd love for you to talk about this. And I know that you have such a vast background because you know the Chinese herbs and you know about the hormones that can affect this and reverse this. So, this will be a really great topic.
0: Well, wow, this is a huge topic. I'm 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 consolidating a number of things in my mind right now to, you know, to give the most immediate information that I think is going to be highly useful. Um, yeah, there's definitely a humongous hormonal picture when it comes to hair loss, and there's also. A few other things to consider Uh, before we go into the hormone side, I would say that the nutrients, the most important nutrients that somebody needs to start getting into are minerals such as zinc, um, silica, magnesium, and then also sulfur. Sulfur in particular may be the most powerful thing for your hair, for your nails. For your, the elastin and collagen proteins of your epidermal layers of your skin, just to put that out there, it's a beauty mineral. And so supplements like MSM, methyl sulfonyl methane, are extremely powerful for this. And I actually, you know, there's a great product, um, I'm trying to think of what it's called. You can look up on Amazon, MSM Shampoo and you can literally just rub that topically into your hair as your shampoo. <clears throat> and there's other great ingredients like aloe vera gel that are very, very helpful for this too. You're essentially trying to stimulate the follicles of your of your hair and regenerate them, right? There's some kind of damage that's been done in that area that's not allowing your the regeneration of your hair um, and so that has to be looked at, and that can also be, um, be kind of uh, estimated and assessed via hormone balance, like your thyroid, like you mentioned, has a big part to play in that. Um, so those minerals in particular are the main things. Again, that's zinc, that's silica. The best sources of silica, by the way, are herbs like horsetail, oat oh. straw, Um, nettle leaf. And also there are silica supplements like organo silica. That's a, that's a really great product. Organo silica. O-R-G-A-N-O silica. Silica is also a potent, uh, beauty mineral. A lot of the same similar kind of, um, symptomatic, uh, benefits of sulfur, those two in conjunction, I think, are going to be very, very helpful together. Um, what else would I do for that? You know, on the hormonal piece, you know, estrogen dominance has a huge part to play in this, and so you want to make sure that your the ratio of your hormones is exactly where it wants to be. And you can easily do like a hormone panel test. There's a great website called zrtlabs.com where you can do a dried blood spot test as well as a saliva test in combination to see exactly where your hormone panel is and to make sure that everything is in balance. I think vitamin D comes back up in this as well, being the master trigger for your your androgenic anabolic hormones. And making sure that your estrogen to progesterone, if you're a woman, your estrogen to progesterone balance is in check if you're a man your estrogen to testosterone balance is in check um one thing that's coming up for me on the herbal perspective in its relationship to hormones is that for men in particular that suffer from alopecia, which is you know premature balding and hair loss and i'm pretty sure this would be a similar scenario for women too but because of the research, it's very, that I'm aware of, it's very specific to men in testosterone metabolism. There, there's, there's a few types of testosterone. It's not just one type of testosterone. So when somebody gets a testosterone check, um, something called DHT, which is dihydrotestosterone, um, which is considered to be like the quote unquote bad form of, testosterone, you don't want your DHT to be hyper-elevated and then your free-form testosterone to be lowered. Those also need to be in their right balance. And herbs like Hoshu Wu, herbs like Reishi Mushroom, contain what's called 5-alpha-reductase inhibitors. And there's an enzyme called 5-alpha-reductase, which, which ends up converting free-form testosterone into dihydrotestosterone, which through a, through a very interesting conversion process that I won't, I won't go into, ends up converting testosterone into a type of estrogen called estradiol, which can lead to estrogen dominance in men. That's a really important perspective. So Hoshu Wu which is a Chinese herb. It's a yin jing herb, meaning it's really good for your blood, and it's really good for your kidneys and adrenals. And then also reishi mushroom have all been shown to lower DHT through the 5-alpha reductase inhib- inhibition um, properties that they have. So that's something to look into as well. And hoshuwu has always been has always been revered for being able to help regenerate hair loss and being able to in- increase the, the the blackening or the dark hair color, the hair pigments, essentially, hair health. Um, so it's always been kind of revered for that. And now this seems to be a closer approximation of what that mechanism is. Um, so I would really say that For women, you want to look at your progesterone levels and make sure that those are in the right levels and that they're empowered. It's about hormone empowerment. And for men, you have the right ratio of testosterone uh, and all that. So doing a simple hormone panel check from ZRT Labs can be very helpful. Reishi mushroom, um, hoshu wu, foods that are very high in zinc Are going to be very helpful so like pumpkin seeds and pumpkin seed butters can be very helpful if you want to go to the animal world the highest source of zinc is black ant extract which comes out of the chinese herbal world and then also shaga mushroom is very very high in zinc hoshu wu again is actually very very high in zinc Um, actually, foods that are very black in pigment, black in color, tend to be very high in zinc as well. And zinc is, zinc is a precursor for testosterone. So that's going to be very important. And zinc is also an aromatase inhibitor, meaning it blocks off the conversion of progesterone or testosterone from converting into these overboard runaway estrogens that lead to estrogen dominance so those are some really great things that somebody can really get started with right away
1: thank you yeah i'd like to add something to this i know that um silica you mentioned silica cucumber could be a great source of silica Mm -hmm. and on the topical standpoint as well also um a lot of products have some harsh chemicals. Um, So paying attention to the products that we're using. And um, I know you mentioned the MSN products. There's also some certain essential oils that can help with hair growth and stimulating the follicles such as rosemary oil and sage oil and thyme oil and lavender oil. Um, So applying those and massaging um, can also stimulate the follicles And also paying attention to stress and psychology around Mm -hmm. hair, because stress um, can be very demineralizing, and probably one of the body's um, least important functions is growing hair. And so that's probably going to be one of the (laughs) one of the things that stops first. So paying attention to hair, our our stress can help us help our hair to grow, and also our psychology Mm. around. Oh, my hair isn't growing, or my hair is growing beautifully. Um, that that can actually create quite a shift.
0: That's really beautiful, and that's why I love doing this this with you, is because you have great insights as well, especially from the feminine perspective that might not come up in my more masculine and assertive approach. So I really appreciate that, and I think the stress component is so critical. You're so right, and. Yeah, in terms of like the hierarchy of your body's built in survival mechanism, um, there's certain things that take precedence over others. And when your body is in a state of chronic stress, you're in a sympathetic overload and you're unable to relax and you're in this, you're in this like perpetual spiral of worrying and concern and fear and doubt. Your belief systems have a huge effect on pretty much everything going on in your physical body and your hair growth as you pointed out is probably one of the lowest priorities for your body's um preservation you know your body is operating in a in a hierarchy of of um you know basically healing and preservative functions it's trying to preserve itself the integrity of its its physical function and so hair growth is probably the least priority in that whole picture and so when that happens, I feel like there is a huge chronic stress component. And in combination with all the nutritional adjuncts that we've mentioned, making sure that you have a practice of stress reduction, you're, you're doing what you love to do in your life, you're not entertaining things that you don't want in your life, but you're focusing on the things that you do want to experience in your life is really important. And also not even worrying about the issue, not worrying about the symptom. Actually putting it completely out of your mind is probably the best way to heal the issue ultimately, not even to pay attention to it.
1: Yeah, well, thank you for all that information. Um, So, yeah, raising the level of testosterone with Hoshi Wu and working on the adrenals and getting more zinc in and really also paying attention to your individual patterns and when your hair loss is occurring more, if you're stressed or if you've eaten a certain food or if you're using a certain product. um, I feel like that will help resolve the issue. And so yeah, the next question is about the best nutrients and minerals for reversing tooth decay. And keeping fantastic hygiene. I know this is a topic that I've heard a lot about. Considering our teeth are actually bones and our bones can regenerate and heal, why don't cavities? And where is why hasn't dentistry put this on the forefront of teaching us how to reverse and heal our teeth? And what can we do to maintain a proper pH balance in our mouth and bacteria balance um, to keep our teeth as long as possible and keep them healthy and strong as long as possible
0: mm, this is a great question and this is another one that that you know there's a lot there's a lot to be said about this um one thing to understand now i put a lot of information about this subject in my holistic health mastery certification program you can find that at holistichealthmastery.com. there's some really in-depth information on that And I also put an entire chapter dedicated to teeth health in my book, The Holistic Health Mastery Program, as well. Now, as far as this specific question goes, how do you prevent tooth decay? And what are some of the nutrients that are um, paramount for teeth health? Well, the first thing I would say is that you want to understand that there is, there is a type of bacteria called streptococci mutans that is most prevalent in our oral cavity that affects tooth decay the most. And that's a type of bacteria that really respires on sugar respiration, meaning that it feeds off sugar. And so there's a lot of controversy in the raw food world about high fruit diets and does high fruit cause tooth decay And I I think I came at it in my book and also in the Holistic Health Mastery Program at a unique angle where it's not exactly yes or no, but there's a big maybe in there that's leaning towards a yes, but it's a different perspective, whereas the only time I've really seen a lot of fruit or a lot of um, natural sugar, which basically comes from fruit and things like honey and maple syrup, become a big problem as it's related to tooth infections is when somebody has the presence of the streptococci mutan bacteria already infested in their oral cavity, in their gums, in between their teeth already. So when they start eating copious amounts of fruit, that fruit is biologically active, or the sugar is biologically active, and it immediately gives that bacteria a fuel source. So that's something that you have to understand, is that it's not that sugar, or natural sugar I should say, is really the problem, it's that when the presence of an infection is already laid, laid itself out in the oral environment, then that can, that can create a breeding ground for further infections. So you want to make sure that you're sanitizing the oral environment um, with using certain strategies. I laid a lot of this out in my book. I'll I'll give you a few of the strategies right now. One of them is food-grade hydrogen peroxide. That's 3% um, hydrogen peroxide that you can use as a mouthwash. And that is really powerful for changing the oral environment from anaerobic, which is sugar respiration, which is basically what all infections like bacteria, fungus, viruses, parasites, they all are anaerobic organisms in changing out the environment to an aerobic environment, which is oxygen respiration, which is essentially what we all want to get back to. Our body respires on oxygen and hydrogen before it gets energy from things like Um, sugar, glucose, and and ketones, and that kind of thing. We start with oxygen. The next thing I recommend is oil pulling. This is a traditional Hindu Ayurvedic strategy for cleansing and purifying the oral environment. And you can take sesame oil, you can take olive oil. My personal favorite is um, uh, coconut oil. And you can swish around the coconut oil with a little bit of essential oils like peppermint oil infused in it. Um, there's plenty of other essential oils that you may even be more adept at. You may, be, you may use them a lot more than I do, Christina. I'm, I'm actually getting more into the essential oils as time goes on. But peppermint oil would be a great one to infuse. Or neem oil is what I was thinking about. Neem oil is a great antiseptic that you can infuse with your coconut oil and then swish that in your mouth for about 20 minutes and then spit that out outside like in the bushes or something. And that has a really incredible purifying effect on the oral environment. Um, And there's many other things of that nature too that you can really dig deeper into. Um, As far as the nutrients that our teeth require, it's pretty much the same nutrients that our bone skeletal system requires because as you mentioned, our bones are a living extension, or I mean our teeth are a living extension of our bone matrix and they can be regenerated. So it just depends on the person's particular situation and what they've been through with, with dentists, if they have mercury amalgam fillings, if they've had root canals before, if they've had wisdom tooth extractions, and any kind of other invasive surgical procedures done in their oral environment, that's going to make a difference. One thing you want to make sure you have enough of is vitamin D, vitamin D3. 10,000 IUs, of vitamin D3 supplement as a supplement is very, very um, effective for increasing bone density and displacing excess calcium that can build on top of the bones. But when you have enough vitamin D3, it helps to open up the floodgates and it allows calcium to be metabolized and to be assimilated into the bone structure. That's one strategy. Beyond that, silica, magnesium, um, sulfur as well. The same things that we were talking about before. Um, we brought uh, we brought up a few of these strategies. They also apply to the density and the health of your your uh, your teeth. What what else can we be said about that? There's a lot of different things. I recommend looking into two different books. There's. Um, There's a great book by Dr. Hal Huggins, the late Dr. Hal Huggins, who was the world's leading living um, dentist, in my opinion, especially the leading authority on root canals, the dangers of root canals, what's going on with all that, in mercury amalgam fillings. He wrote a great book called It's All in Your Head, which was referring to root canals and mercury amalgam fillings in particular and the connection between mercury and neurological damage. That's a really good book to check out. Another great book is a classic by Dr. Weston Price, which is uh, Health and Physical Degeneration, and that will help you understand why we have this epidemic of tooth decays in the first place, why we have this epidemic of root canals and mercury fillings, and all the, the craziness that goes on with the conventional dental, the ADA, <clears throat> excuse me, the ADA, the American Dental Association, which is largely a scam, in my opinion, um, and most of what biological dentistry or holistic dentistry really serves to do now is to reverse the damage that's been done by traditional dentistry. And that's kind of its own subject. That's a little a little pet peeve and rant of mine. But if you really want to understand <clears throat> how to increase dental health, definitely that information in the Holistic Health Mastery Program and also in my book is very helpful. And those other two resources by Dr. Hal Huggins and Dr. Weston Price are going to be super helpful as well. One more thing I want to say about this, Dr. Weston Price came to a discovery about the teeth, which is that our teeth require a nutrient in his day, this is like the 1920s and 30s, where he discovered something called Activator X. And Activator X is a nutrient that we now know as vitamin K2. This isn't the same vitamin K that you find in spinach, Um, This is vitamin K2 that you find in things like natto, you find in grass-fed butter, in ghee butter, which is one of the reasons I like ghee butter so much is because if you get the right kind of ghee butter, like the kind that a company um, like Ancient Organics out of Berkeley produces, then it has the vitamin K2 in it. And that basically comes from high-sprouting, nutrient-rich grasses. That's where vitamin K2 actually comes from. It's from grass at its greatest growth spurt. And then the cows eat that grass, they metabolize it, and then it comes out in their basically the alchemical metabolized product called butter and, and cheese, really. That's what that's all about. And ghee is an amazing source of fat-soluble vitamins: vitamin A, vitamin D, vitamin E, and vitamin K2, um, as well as that you know uh, the K2, which I just mentioned, you can get from ghee. So that's a great thing, also, and that's one of the reasons I like ghee so much is it's great for the health of your teeth, and it's a great source of vitamin K2. Now, if you want to do it completely vegan. There's a product called MK7, which is a vitamin K2 supplement that you can supplement with. So those are all um, a lot of really great strategies and resources for how to empower your teeth health. Well,
1: thank you for all that information, Ronnie. It's a lot of great information for the teeth about the specific minerals, which are similar to the ones that we've already discussed, and silica and zinc and and also the K2. And the next question is from Fiorella, and she's wanting to know what are the Ormus elements and what do they do? I know that you work a lot with superfoods, and Ormus I've heard you talk a lot about, and I know that you'll have quite a handle on different aspects of this.
0: Okay, this is a really great question. Really amazing topic, and I'm reaching out for an Ormus product right now. My friend uh, Prescott Love, or he now he now goes by the name Archer Love. You can find a you can actually find an interview between him and me on this podcast if you scroll down a few. It's the science of success, and or it's the alchemy of success in Ormus and that's an hour long interview that we go into the nth degree on this topic. So, I won't try to go into too much detail about it. You can go to that episode. I'm holding one of his products right now. His company is called Alchemy Now and just an amazing an amazing subject. The the word Ormus translates into orbitally rearranged monoatomic elements. And people are probably wondering, like, what the heck does that mean? Like, whoa, I have no idea what that means. Or you may be familiar with this. I I touched on this subject a little bit in my book, The Inner Alchemy Youthening Program, in terms of its relationship to alchemy and alchemical preparations of really interesting nutritional sources that have been associated with longevity. And even the source, the search for the philosopher's stone in the emerald talbot, the, excuse me, the emerald tablet, um, in ancient alchemical circles. Ormus is definitely something that comes up out of it. It's basically an alchemical preparation using sea salt or dead sea salt extractions to create a refined, um, extraction and concentration of unique elements or minerals like Ormus gold or they're basically like platinum-based elements that we don't find on Mendeleev's periodic table of the elements. So without going into too much more detail about that, I really recommend everybody that's interested in this subject to check out that interview between me and Prescott Love. One thing I will say about this though is that Ormus minerals are like they're like helping our nervous system and our, our brain become more of a, a tuning fork. They help to tune up our neurological system to be a better transmitter or a better antenna for inspired thought forms, for um, innovative ideas, for more creativity, for connecting with source energy. For increasing synchronicity and manifestation. That's essentially what the esoteric and spiritual perspective on Ormus really is all about. You can use Ormus minerals like a product like, you know, um, Alchemy Now, Prescott's product. You use it before you meditate. You use it when you want to manifest something. You take a dropper of it and you, you really sit with your intention And the idea is that it helps you become more of a transmitter for your authentic desires in life. So that's kind of one angle on it.
1: Thank you. Yeah, so definitely check out that interview. I know you have quite a library of amazing interviews um, that people can use as a resort. Mm -hmm. And we have another question. Um, Seems... Be important. So, from Dasha, um, epilepsy. Mm. What are natural treatments and cures?
0: Okay, this um, this is a big one too, and um, I want to make known we didn't we didn't get a chance to disclaim this before before this conversation started. But I want to make it known that I am not a medical doctor, and I am in no way giving medical advice. This is purely informational advice. It's entertainment. It's, it's, it's spiritual advice. None of this is to be used in replacement to advice that you would get from a qualified medical doctor. So this is not medical advice at all. This is purely entertainment. This is purely information that you can use at your own free will. And everybody assumes complete responsibility for the information that they're going to get from this. So I want to make that known before I move on with this particular topic, because epilepsy is, um, you know, it's it's a condition, it's a host of conditions essentially that have to do with a type of neurological shock that's going on in our neurological system. So the brain. So, the nervous system. There's a number of conditions that are associative to what we call epilepsy. And so, I'll try to give direct recommendations for what I would advise somebody that has epileptic seizures, um, that has, you know, neurological trauma and these kind of things. You know, you want to focus on omega-3 fatty acids as the first line of defense. We've talked about omega-3s. Omega-3 fatty acids are going to be helpful for coding the neurological system and the nerves um, to basically insulate them more. One thing you want to understand about the nervous system in myelin in particular, myelin again is that that rubbery fat-based material that insulates the nerve fibers and keeps the nerves protected from free radical oxidation or free radical oxygen which is basically what inflammation is that's what that's what oxidants really are in the body so we want to flood the body with anti Oxidants and anti-inflammatory compounds omega-3s are some of the best that you can get and your nervous system is highly constructed out of the omega-3s like epa and dha so high dosages of krill oil high dosages of marine phytoplankton hemp seeds and hemp oil walnuts Chia seeds, even ground flaxseed in your smoothie, primrose oil, barrage oil, those things are going to be very, very helpful. Moving on from there, I recommend that you make sure that you have enough magnesium in the diet. Magnesium has a definite correlation with being um reducing epileptic and seizures epileptic sy- symptoms in in the on the onset of seizures which is basically what happens with a condition like that where somebody has this this like you know even to the extremes where somebody has frequent seizures that can even lead to somebody's bones fracturing in their body because the shock on the system becomes so strong And that's, you know, it's such an unfortunate situation, and the medical institution has very little to say about this. Obviously, they have no idea where it comes from, because that's the, that's kind of the the um, MO. We have no idea how this started. It obviously wouldn't have anything to do with your lifestyle. It wouldn't have anything to do with diet. And it definitely wouldn't have anything to do with environmental toxicity like heavy metals, would it? Or endocrine-disrupting chemicals like pesticides, herbicides, fungicides, rodenticides, chemical fertilizers, volatile organic compounds that are off-gassing, off the paint in your walls and the carpet in your house, and laundry detergents, you know, basically toxic hygienic products and cleaning products in your house. It obviously wouldn't have anything to do with that, right? So, their basic strategy is to do anti um, epileptic medications. And according to my research on this subject, it's interesting that it comes up. Anti-epileptic medications are known to having horrific side effects, which can include suicidal ideation, kidney and liver failure, blurred vision, um, even anemic conditions. Anemia being a failure for the body to produce red blood cells. So I feel like iron, iron has its role to play in this. And in that regard, I would say spirulina and chlorella are going to be really powerful. The iron and magnesium combination is going to be powerful. Chlorella is the number one source of any food in magnesium just because of the fact that it's the number one source in chlorophyll. That's where the word chlorella gets its name from. It's the number one source in chlorophyll. Chlorophyll is basically what hemoglobin is for us. It's plant blood. And uh, chlorophyll, its central molecule is magnesium. So chlorophyll is like a magnesium supplement, and magnesium is known to have a calming effect in a situation like this. And magnesium, by the way, also helps to displace other toxic substances that can be influencing this situation, like hard, hard um, crystallized calcium residue in the body. We call that calcification or even um, calcium oxalates that cause kidney stones, for example. Um, You know, things of that nature, calcification in the body and on the in the nervous system can cause these kind of problems as well. And so magnesium helps to dissolve and solubilize Um, hard calcium residue and helps the kidneys filter it out of the body that's one perspective and then iron from spirulina in particular is going to be very helpful i would also say beet juice can be very helpful beets beetroot is a great source of iron it's a great source of nitric oxide which increases vasodilation which is basically increasing blood circulation throughout the cardiovascular system, and up into the brain. Very, very helpful. Another thing with epilepsy is that basically epilepsy is a term used to really describe various types of seizure disorders, which are believed to be caused by abnormal, let's say, electrical signals in the brain. So an abnormal and even hyper-stimulation of nerve signaling, neuronal signaling in the brain where the neurons are, are just out of control. They're too active, like they're excitatory. And one of the things that comes up with this, when somebody has this condition, to me, in my perspective, they have a load of toxicity in their neurological system. There's most likely... Heavy metal toxicity, like um, lead, and definitely mercury influencing it. So something like N-acetylcysteine, which is that precursor for glutathione that I mentioned, you should definitely, definitely look into this. It's one of the number one recommended things against mercury toxicity. That's number one. Um, What else is coming to mind here? You have to make sure that your diet is really, really clean. You have to have a very clean diet because um, things like aspartame, an MSG, monosodium glutamate, which is used in all processed food, it's a preservative, it's a flavor agent, it's an addictive compound, aspartame is a highly known um, excitotoxin, which basically excites the neurons in your brain to the point where they basically explode. And it causes brain damage over the long term, memory problems, cognition problems, all that kind of thing that is associated with all forms of neurological issues. These things have to be sussed out in the diet, and we have to get on a cleansing and detoxification protocol. One more thing that I would add into this is I'm just kind of, I'm just fire hosing a lot of information um, because I'm not actually talking to the person. I would also add in activated charcoal into the mix. Activated charcoal is probably the most powerful detoxification agent that we know of, and that's something that can sponge up residual toxins, and it it has an adsorbative effect where things like clays, which are also really important here, they sponge up, and they, they basically soak up positively charged um toxins in the body where activated charcoal adsorbs positively charged toxins through its negative charge and it binds on it like a magnet it attracts toxins in the body like a magnet they get attracted to the surface of activated charcoal and it can pull that stuff out of the body safely so that's another thing to be looking at um, these are the things that come up most pronounced for me um, and there's many other things that we could touch on, but I think that's a great place to start
1: Wow thank you aunt Ronnie so much good information around that that I haven't really heard discussed yet about really detoxing the body
0: and... yeah one more one more thing Christina I want to mention about epilepsy is. Um, there is a well-known connection here in alternative circles where there's actually toxicity in the brain. I I don't know if I really made that super clear. There's literal physical toxicity in the brain tissue, and that's causing the, the abnormality of electrical signals being sent throughout the neuromuscular system, which is causing the onset of seizures, which is causing a shock on the entire, the entire neurological and muscular system that leads to these really traumatic issues. Also, if somebody has emotional trauma, probably from their upbringing in their life or from their lineage, lineage cleansing is going to be something that that person wants to explore. There's always going to be a psycho-emotional, psychosomatic kind of connection where there's a mind-body-emotion connection with conditions such as this. So we want to be looking at all the pieces on the puzzle board so we're addressing the full human, um, full body perspective.
1: Beautiful. So specifically this person also asked about whole food juicing or reducing emf radiation or grounding or supplements i know that you mentioned nac and i know you mentioned activated charcoal and getting rid of heavy metals and um magnesium using magnesium is there anything else that you want to add to this topic in regards to some of those other things that she mentioned
0: absolutely one of the things about electromagnetic fields um you know basically electromagnetic spa- smog you know emf toxicity and pollution is that we are being affected by electrical wave currents that are that are essentially breaking down our immune system they're disrupting the electrical signals of our nervous system and that definitely has its part to play in this whole scenario. So we want to make sure that we are investing in grounding material like a grounding sheet for your bed, grounding rods for your even your cars. You can be electrically connected or you can be connected to the negative ionic charge of the earth even when you're in your car by connecting to metal. And you can go to a website called um, earthing.com. And the founder, Clint Ober, wrote a book many, many years ago called Earthing, which is a book I got into about seven years ago. While I started getting barefoot on the earth, I got out of the rubber cast that we call a shoe and started getting barefoot on the earth, walking around barefoot, um, doing workouts barefoot to get my alignment in my body back together. I mean, it's just an amazing phenomenon. And this is such an important thing because through our computers, through our Wi-Fi, through our, the electrical signals that are going on everywhere, through metal coils in our bed that are, that are concentrating dirty electricity. This basically, it's called static electricity. And it basically shocks, it creates like micronized shock waves on our nervous system, which cripple our immune system over time. So when somebody is hyper susceptible to getting sick, they get the common cold, um, you know, that kind of thing, they're just out of it. I bet you it has to do with this EMF pollution. I bet you it has to do with static electricity in your car, static electricity that you can kind of hear. Like when you're driving underneath these these radio towers, you can kind of hear it right in the background if you pay attention. There's this static electricity in the background, and you're basically, you're umbrellaed, you're ballooned in this static electrical field. And so, there's ways to protect yourself from that. Going to earthing.com and getting educated on grounding um, devices is a really, really great first step. Um, getting, getting, uh, upgrading your sleeping environment, upgrading your bed. If you have a bed with metal spring coils, I would recommend you upgrade out of that. Right away, there's a great there's a great company called yogabed.com which which has incredible quality beds of all sizes. I've invested in them, and they don't use metal coil spring mattresses because that's just an out outdated technology. and we want to upgrade out of that. and that's one of the best investments that we can really make for our health long term. And then also, we want to invest in getting into nature. One of the things I've noticed about harmonizing my brain waves and my equilibrium in my thought process and my stress reduction is when I get barefoot in nature, I go for a hike, I go to the park, I go to the reservoir, I, I go in nature, I go to the beach, my stress automatically drops off. My left brain dominant thinking, which is like the hyper analytical. Stress and all that kind of thing that we the worry fear and doubt and all that kind of nonsense that we entertain um, in the world that is left brain thinking where we're always trying to analyze and, and figure things out all the time. It's like mathematical thinking. And the right brain is more magical thinking. It's more entertaining possibilities and infinite possibilities and in our dreams and desires and what's possible for our life and for our health. And when we get grounded, we actually automatically become right brain dominant. And you'll notice this when you get into nature, you become more clear. It's like having a connection with the divine source of God or the creator it's automatic, and that's something you'll notice the more you get into nature. So, that's another thing that I think is really, really important.
1: Wow, there's a lot of great information there on how to maintain balance and really get to the root cause of different conditions or experiences that people may be going through. And so, Yeah, that was the last question for today. And we will continue this question series weekly. It's a new addition to the podcast. So continue to submit your questions um, to Ronnie Landis' Facebook or Instagram, and we will continue to answer them.
0: Awesome. It was such a pleasure to be on here with you, Christina. Thanks for facilitating it. Thanks for everyone for your great questions and tuning in. And I definitely recommend that you really, if you are sincere about educating yourself and really taking your knowledge, your experience, and your life essentially to the next level, I really recommend that you go to the Holistic Health Mastery Certification Program, investigate it, feel into it. This feels like the correct program for you to take your life and take your If you're a coach, you definitely want to consider this, but essentially take your knowledge and your expertise to the next level, holistichealthmastery.com.
1: Wonderful. Yeah, that's so many great resources on that program. Um, I've had the privilege of going through it, and definitely a lot of these topics that we've talked about today goes even more in depth. And so we covered some great topics around hair loss, and protein, and getting the right fat, so yeah, I'm looking forward to our next question and answer, and it's great talking to you, Ronnie.
0: Mm, me too. Take care, everybody.